Hello, bonjour et bienvenue to another Seen Any Good Films Lately from the 74th Cannes Film Festival. That was the most fun I've had at a prize ceremony in Cannes in 22 years. As everyone said, there's loads of sex in Cannes this year. It's, um, it's, it's like a rumble. And I, I felt like, oh no, the reviews are coming out today. And I actually just puked. Pourtant j'étais très belle, oui j'étais la plus belle des fleurs de ton jardin. I'm Jason Solomons, and for sheer can glamour, I'm joined by Black Widow star and Bond girl Olga Koryalenko. I've also got British star of Four Lions and the Big Sick, Adil Akhtar, on his first visit to the festival with Clio Barnard's Ali and Ava. I bring you a new star from Norway, Renata Reinsvi. You heard her here first. And I introduce you to another actress everyone was talking about, Agathe Roussel, from the festival's most controversial and out-there succès de scandale, Titan. All of that on a packed show from a packed pandemic festival. Have I seen any good films lately? I'll tell you my favourites, and at the end, I'll reveal the winners. Pas mal, hein? So I've got a glass of rosé in front of me and with so many films this year it's been such a joy to watch a range from all around the world, all genres and styles and some you like and some you hate. I might as well start with the best, no? And for sheer joie de vivre it has to be, for me, Casablanca Beats. It's known in French as haut et fort, as in sort of high and loud. It's reminiscent of 2008 Palme d'Or winner The Class and that recent British movie Rocks, which I loved. Casablanca Beats has it all. Great faces, cool music, inspirational educator vibes, it's got politics and religion, and the teaching of hip-hop as a cultural tool that can radically change society. It's got game, this film. It's got to have it, and I'm thinking that Spike Lee might just give the palm to an African movie for the first time since 1975. I also loved Red Rocket. It's about a fading porn star, played by real-life adult actor Simon Rex. He's called Mikey Sabre, and he's returning to his oil refinery Texas Gulf hometown, but trying to reignite his career with a pretty young girl called Strawberry, who he spotted working in a donut shop. It's directed by Sean Baker, who did The Florida Project, and he creates this wonderfully bright yet grainy aesthetic, and I was hooked by Mikey's reptilian, exploitative desperation. And all the while Trump's 2016 rallies play on the big TV screens in those American homes. It's about the American dream, which I suppose is like a donut with all that pink icing and sprinkles on the top, but a hole right through the middle. God damn it. Look, I don't want to be here, all right? This is embarrassing. Well, I don't want you here You think here I want to show up like this? I got my ass fucking kicked. I just need a place to crash. Why can't you what, be here? Like... What does it look like, a hotel? Really? It's like that? Can you get off the property, please? What, 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 why? What are you going to fucking do? Really? What, you're you not want... gonna, it's, oh, really? you want me to call the cops? Act... I'll call the cops. Don't, don't no, I'm calling the cops. Ten, nine, eight, God. seven, faster. I'm technically off the property, so you can't call the cops because I'm on public land respecting your boundaries. Can you keep it down? Can you come over here so I don't have to project my voice, please? Oh, fuck. Seriously, I just need a place to crash for a couple of days. What's the big deal? Mikey, go fuck yourself. Oh, you don't even know what I've been through. Oh, I... Look at my fucking face. I just was on a bus for two days. I had to walk here from the bus station. Why don't you stay with your mama? My mom's in a nursing home in LaBarque. 
a care home. I can't sleep there. For sheer meditative cinematic bliss, there was Memoria from Thailand's Apichatpong Virasethakul, which starred Tilda Swinton as a British woman in Colombia, drawn to a deep, echoing thunderclap sound that only she can hear. It's a film of 20-minute long takes and karmic profundity. It's a wholly unique spiritual screen experience, like having a Thai massage in cinema with a trippy ending. It's, um, it's, it's like a rumble from the core of the earth. Bang! And, and then, then it shrinks. Probably 6,000 years old. Oh. Yes. Drilled into her head to release bad spirits. Right, those are just three of my favourites, and we'll get into some more throughout the show, and we'll hear what some of my critical colleagues on the Quasette have been watching too. But it's time now to get my first star guest on. She's currently in Black Widow. I won't tell you which part because it's a bit of a spoiler, but she's there all right with Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh and old Ray Winston. Olga Kralenko is, of course, also a Bond girl, Camille from The Quantum of Solace, and she's a regular siren of the can red carpet, most recently for Terry Gilliam's The Man Who Killed Don Quixote in 2018. Hi, Jason. Hiya, Olga. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. I'm in Cannes. Lovely, great. Yeah. Well, where are you? You, sh- you should be in Cannes. You're the, you're the red carpet Cannes girl. Well, yeah. <laughs> this year I, yeah, I didn't have time to go. Um, actually, this time is so busy for me. I couldn't go even even if I was invited to like dinners and events. But I just I'm too busy. So but yeah, well, lot- yeah, I'm glad you're busy with Black Widow as well because uh, <laughs> it, it, I loved it. And it's proving a massive hit. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. What do you think about a world where Ray Winston rules all these all these women and makes them do his his evil work? What do you think about a world like that? <laughs> wow, that a world like that is quite terrifying. And uh, it's a, it's good that they they showed it, um, and you know that message is coming through because obviously it's a metaphor on well on things that go on in in the world. Uh, and situation, there are many situations like that and obviously probably reflects uh, human trafficking and all of that. Women that are stripped of their identity, of their freedom and, uh, and they can't get out. Um, and it's, it's terrifying. We, we've been obviously fighting for it. Everyone has been <laughs> fighting for it for the last uh, few years and, uh, and we're gonna keep doing it. Um, mm. It's got to stop. When you saw the script and when you were working on the movie, I don't know if you talked to the director, Kate Shortland, uh, about it at all. And did you did you mention what the message was going to be? And, and you could see the whole thing kind of coming together uh, as, the, as it was sort of about that theme. Yeah, we briefly spoke about it, but mostly we were speaking about my character and we were concentrating on, you know, the, the, the soul of the character and what's behind that armor and the mask and the helmet and the, the human being, the damaged human being that's behind there. 
And the woman that also was just suffered as much, who was stripped of her childhood, who's gone through probably lots of abuse and, and, and is psychologically controlled uh, by her parent. And yeah, we were mostly concentrated on that. Yeah, it's interesting that the, obviously the message came through much more when I watched the film. Because obviously I read the script, but it's so, you know, it's so different when you read the script from the visual, the film is so much better. <laughs> um, yeah, I was myself stunned. I was like, wow, the, the message is strong. And all the women that play in it, they're, they're great and they're strong and powerful. And it, it feels empowering um, for me as a woman to watch a movie like that. Yeah. yeah it's good. Do you feel drawn to roles? I mean, I know you weren't the, the, the main role in this, but you bring a sort of surprise element to it. Are you, are you drawn to movies like that, that show, you know, female empowerment coming together? I mean, your Camille, even in the James Bond, she was a very, she was one of the, one of my favorite Bond girls because she was very much, uh, she was on the poster. She was very much kind of part of that film. Do you know what I mean? She was an yeah. important member. You know, it's funny before I would say, no, no, I'm not drawn to it, but now I realize I guess I was drawn to it without knowing, but I think I am. I think I am. I'm now, I've, I now look back and I look at what I enjoy doing and what I, I do a lot of, and I am drawn to it. I also need it. It makes me, it feels good to me. And I think as a woman, I guess I, I always wanted to prove that I'm strong, that I, you know, I can make it for myself, by myself. You know, this thing that I had to prove to myself, it's, it's not even to others, it's to myself. And that's what I've always tried to do in my life. I've always seen you as someone who kind of does their own thing, coming from where you come from, you know, doing the movies that you've done, kind of the work that you do. You kind of just do the Olga thing in that you you sort of you could have gone to Hollywood and stayed in L.A., but you didn't. You, came, you stayed in Europe and you, you, you know, you do European movies, you do sort of independent movies, as well as some blockbusters, too. Oh, That's that. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah, I do. I, uh, I can't be talked into something. I really I have my own, <laughs> you know, views. And uh, even if the whole world will think this is the right thing and I don't think so, I think I'll go with the way. I prefer. What was the first film you ever saw at the cinema, Olga? The first film? Yeah. Oh my God, I think, do you know the first film I saw? It was Amadeus. What a film. I know, what a film. <laughs> I went there, it's interesting. Wow, you like, I, I never thought about it. Um, we went there because I was in a musical school <clears throat> as, and it was like a proper school, not just like piano lessons. It was like proper things. And, and I did it for seven years. And we went as part of our power of the program and the, we went with teachers and there were all these kids and we watched that film. Yeah. And I found it terrifying. <laughs> I was traumatized <clears throat> as a kid. Was I, I took it too close to the heart. Like I was like, it really got to me as a child. I think now I probably watch it. And it's okay. But I was, uh, it, it terrified me. Was that in the, in the Ukraine? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, back then it was USSR. Do you have a film poster on your wall? Mm, good question. Yes, I do. I do. I actually have, I have a, a Paris Jotin poster, which, you know, doesn't have, you know, it's, I'm not on it, but it's just, and that's why I put it on, because I have these posters where I have the James Bond posters and Hitman posters and, you know, all of these films that I've done, but I can't, I, I can't frame it and put it on my wall. I find it a bit like, then it's like, it, I'll be seeing me everywhere and it would bother me. So whenever, if I'm on it, I can't put it up. So they're rolled up somewhere in the, in the, in the cupboard. Um, <laughs> I don't put them on, but yeah, the uh, Paris I Love You is on it. 
Yeah. Well, you are in the movie, but you're not on the poster. No, I'm not on the poster, so it's kind of it's cool. It's kind of cool. What about is there is there a movie that changed your life that you saw it and and it, it made such an impact on you? Yes, Breaking the Waves. Ah, the last one, Tria. I saw it, and then and I was like. I would say traumatized by it in a way that it was just like, but in a way that, that I loved it. I was like, oh my God, what a role. I was already thinking about acting. I was already living in Paris and um, I was modeling and I thought, okay, if, if I could get a role like that, it's worth uh, being an actor. And, and I remember this, that was the day I decided that I will try the acting career <laughs> because I saw that film. Because uh, Emily Watson's performance was just, it blew my mind. And after that, I saw it again, and then I saw it again, and I had to see it again. And I think I've watched that movie like 10 times. I don't think I've never watched any movie in my life more than Breaking the Waves. You've had a movie at Cannes, though. You've been up the red carpet for a movie. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember them? So I think the first one was Paris, I Love You. They were a big, big team. Um, then there was... Uh, it was well. There was Don Quixote a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, you right? had the man, who, the man who killed Don Quixote with Terry Gilliam. You, you yeah. were here. I remember seeing you. Yeah, and then now, well, these are like I remember my first one, my last one. Now in between, I know I've been there as well, but I don't remember. You know, it's, it's like so many years. Uh, but yeah, these are the ones I remember because they're fresh in the memory. Um, yeah, what, and what then about, you know, I've, my things have been announced, but they weren't like presented. Well, if I could take you back in time. And you could visit any film set that's being made, you know, a, a legendary film. Which one would you go to and be there? Do you know what? I'd love to visit the set of David Lynch film. Ooh. Any film. Seriously, any film. Like, well, uh, Eraserhead. I mean, that was... and that, But, like, I'm just going far back. You know, yes. obviously, my drive was amazing as well. I would, like, any set of David Lynch. Oh, my God. That would be that I love great. that you've chosen the razor head. We shall, we shall put you the on the radio. Incredible, right? <laughs> Olga Korolenko, been brilliant to see you again. Thank you so much. Uh, shame you can't join us on the red carpet in Cannes, but we will think of you and blow you a figurative kiss tonight as we, as we go into the Lumiere. Thank you. Have fun there. Go and see Olga Korolenko in Black Widow. I really enjoyed its action and its blockbusting. The main interview on Seen Any Good Films Lately is supported by Strike. Now it's available in Cannes. Strike is, of course, as you know because you listen to the show, the distilled beverage with all the spirit, none of the alcohol. And you can get it in Cannes, which is why they're supporting this special episode of the Cannes Seen Any Good Films Lately. If you want to get 40% off your orders for Strike, it comes in bottles or in cans, just go to strike.com, that's S-T-R-Y-K-K.com. You can find some writing from me on their blog. You can also order your Strike and they'll deliver it to you with 40% off. Just enter the voucher code JASON40. Santé, Strike. I told you if I've seen any good films lately, but let's hear what some of my fellow festivaliers have been watching. I came to Cannes from Italy. My name's Lee Marshall, and I'm a critic for Screen International. Lee, uh, have you seen any good films lately? Yeah, I really like the Norwegian film here by Joachim Trier that was uh, in competition and is called... The Worst Person in the World. The Worst Person in the World. That was the English title. I think he's a director who really go goes into character in depth and 
excavates and does interesting things with what we would call a character study. And what does it mean uh, to be back at Cannes for you, Lee, after a couple of years away? It's great to be back here. You know, even though it was put off from May till summer, um, it's just wonderful to be embracing this world of cinema that I love again with film friends and being in screenings and seeing films the way they're meant to be presented, not on a small screen, but with lots of people uh, loving it in a big cinema. My name is Christian Mongar. I'm a Danish film journalist. I write for a daily Danish newspaper called Information. I think it was Roger Ebert who once called this Disneyland for adults, and there's something really true about that. It's a search of energy that you need every year to be able to go on, in a sense. This is where you find out how the state of the world film is and the, the art film world is, and it kind of it gives you a lot of new energy and hope for with a big C when you Go here. I'm Wendy Eyed. I'm coming from London and I'm delighted to be back here. And uh, you've written for many people in Cannes over the years. Who are you here for this year? This year I'm, I'm entirely here for Screen International. I have found such great stuff this year. So the things I've loved particularly are Hit the Road, which is in Director's Fortnight, which is just the most exquisite debut. I really am so excited about this and it really felt like a proper discovery um, and I can't praise it highly enough. Um, I've also loved uh, Prayers for the Stolen which is a Mexican film by the director who was the Mexican submission for the Oscars with Tempestad. This is her first uh, feature, uh, fiction feature. She's done documentaries before and it's very, very special. My name's Damon Wise. I'm here for a lot of uh, outlets, including Deadline, Total Film, Financial Times, and Uncut Magazine. I was very happy to see the, um, the French Dispatch, which was everything I expected from a Wes Anderson movie. It's eccentric and um, full, of, full, full of detail and full of great performances, including Jeffrey Wright channeling James Baldwin and Johnny Mathis. <laughs> You're never going to see that anywhere else. And is there anything a little bit off-piste that's kind of you know, taken your heart? Well, I'm dying to see Titan. I have no idea what it's about. The director herself has only issued one statement, and it's a dictionary definition of titanium. And uh, I've seen the trailer. It involves a bit of nudity, a bit of fighting, lots of fire, things blowing up, people shouting to each other. So that, to me, Sailor Can. That's, that's, that, that, to me, is Can. That's the thing that I, I can't, the thing that I can't quite describe, and I'm waiting to see put into motion picture form. Yeah, great selection and choice from those people. I admired Iranian film A Hero by double Oscar winner Asghar Fahadi, who did A Separation and The Salesman. And this is another gripping moral thriller from him about a man released from a debtor's prison and claiming to have returned a bag of gold that he'd found. But he's twisting himself and everyone else into knots of dilemma. There was also Palm d'Or winner Jacques Odiard, who's a prophet. I made my all-time top European film in my list for the New European a couple of weeks ago. Well, he's back in competition now with a film called Les Olympiades, a black-and-white bed-hopping tale of young Parisians in the titular late 60s housing estate in the 13th arrondissement of Paris. It's co-written by girlhood director Céline Sciamma, so the pedigree and expectation for Les Olympiades were as high as the tower blocks in which the characters live and work. It's a cool film, certainly, a multicultural take on the classic Nouvelle Vague relationship movies that were typified by Eric Roma and Jean-Luc Godard. But it didn't quite hit the heights for me, despite luminous, sexy performances from Noémie Merlon, who was in Sciamma's Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and the debutante Lucy Zhang, 
I found it strange that these young people on screen, though, didn't mention lockdown at all as they were looking to reconnect with each other after so long away. No one really mentioned the lockdown on screen at all because I guess films are about escape and certainly the sexy, garish and gory succès de scandale was body horror French film Titan. It's bonkers. Look away, I watched half of it between my fingers. It's out there. It's about a sexual serial killer called Alexia who's also an erotic dancer with a bit of a car fetish and a titanium plate in her head. She's on the run from police and disguises herself as the long-lost son of a jacked-up bodybuilder fireman played by Vincent Landon. Titan is pretty crazy and it stars an amazing, super cool new French actress. So, of course, I had to go and meet her. My name is Agathe Roussel and I have the lead part in the latest Julia Ducourneau's movie. And how did you get that part? I got cast by the casting director on Instagram. On Instagram, okay, so it is a bit interesting. (laughs) Weirdly enough, but yes, yeah. What were you doing on Instagram? Not much, just, you know, making jokes. I've been modeling for a while, so, and playing in short movies and stuff, so I had, like, a few, like, I had material uh, for them to see that I was probably, like, androgynous enough for them, for the movie. And where are you from? I was born in uh, Lille, in the north of France, but I've traveled a little bit around France, and now I've been living in Paris for 12 years. And how comes you speak English? I've had many American boyfriends. It's the best way. I know, best way. <laughs> I think people will see your role here because you know, the, the film is coming out in the UK mm-hmm. um, and they will be completely shocked and confused and challenged mm-hmm. by it. Is that what you were working on with, uh, with the director? Uh, I mean, I've never put in consideration uh, the way people are, were going to react to anything. I was just doing my job. And I mean, the way people feel about, feel about what I did is, I mean, in a way, not really my problem. You know what I mean? Like, I just did my job the way my director wanted me to work. And then if, you know, people are shocked, I mean, so be it. I mean, it's good to be shocked. It's like being shaken up. It's good. It's good. I loved it being shocked here. But actually, I hadn't been shocked the entire can. Oh, and then I saw your film. and I was like, yes! Yay! I'm happy for you. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be shaken up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's good to be, like, excited about something. Have you been, you know, can has a history of every year there's normally one film that will, that will shock people. Mm. And it, I think this year it, it's your film. How do you feel about that? You're the sort of succès de scandale. Oh, I'm really, really, really excited about it. I'm really happy about it. I mean, I'm happy that, you know, I mean, whatever we get a prize or not, like... I mean, what, what matters is, you know, that people see the movie and uh, you'll get something from it. What do you think it means? Because everyone's walking around going, I love that movie, it looked great. I'm not really sure what it means. And I, I you know, I, well, it has one of those own interpretations, but I, you've thought about it and talked about it more than I have, yes. so perhaps you've got somewhere. I mean, I mean, I think you have to watch it twice. Because it's the same for me, like, the first time I watched it, and I knew, th- I knew everything about it, like, I'm in it. But, so, yeah, so, yeah, very, very much in it. So, I, even me, I... First time I saw it, I went out of the cinema and I was like, what the fuck did I just see? It was just really, really weird. But then I watched it again and I really saw it. I really watched it and it was really, really good. But I think, you know, it's the kind of movie that you need to let, like, infuse a little bit and just, you know, try to think about it. And it takes a little time to understand the different, the different layers. Because, mm. I mean, you're, you're, it's quite gender. It's about, so people say, oh, it's about gender. But it is, but it's not really. No, it's not. So, I mean... It's not so much about gender. It, I mean, it's mostly about the fact that gender is not that relevant anymore. The gender situation is not, doesn't happen because of an like, identity crisis. It happens out of necessity. So if she had to turn into a dog, she would have become a dog. You know, like, I mean, literally, if that was 
like an option to her or become like, I don't know, a tree. She would have been a tree. It's like, it's really different. It's just like the only way, the only way she had, you know, to just save herself. If she, if she had to turn into a dog, would you have done that too? You, as an actress, you could have do that. I love dogs. So yeah, probably. Which dog would you be? I'd be my dog. She's the cutest. What you got? Yeah. Um, she's a half Bichon and half Pyrenean Shepherd. She's the cutest. So what's, a, you know, when you, you have a, a debut like this, because for me, it's your debut. I haven't seen your short films. What... What sort of happens when he... Because I'm, I'm always intrigued in Kang, because Kang can make you like this. It's, it's extremely disturbing, but also, like, very extremely exciting and extremely overwhelming. I'm, I've been overwhelmed. Like, I, I, I'm still waiting for someone to pinch me and wake me up. I, I don't... It's, thank you. <laughs> don't pinch me. No, it's, it's, it's really, really... It's something, because, like, doing this movie made me fulfill my biggest dream, but then being here is something I've never I mean I thought about it you know like I've what been, was it what was that dream being an actress and uh, and getting this kind of role as well because I'm not really interesting interested in playing myself I love the you know I love the way that you know I have this character has nothing to do with me and I had to I have I had to like build it from scratch mm-hmm. and that's like the essence of being an actor right so like I was Julia in that sense gave me the most amazing present and on top of that, she did an amazing movie. Well, no one told me about her, the way she lied. But it's too late to say you're sorry. How would I know? Why should I care? Please don't bother trying to find her. She's not there. Another breakout performance down here came from Norway's Renata Reinsvi, who charmed us all in Joachim Trier's romance, The Worst Person in the World. She plays Julie, who's a 20-something Oslonian, if that's what you call people who live in Oslo. Uh, And she finds romantic entanglements in the city and finds herself torn between her two lovers and her own desires. It might be called The Worst Person in the World, but she might just get the best actress here at Cannes, so we should find out more about her, right? I am Renate Reinswe, but here you say Renate Reinswe, I think. <laughs> and uh, I play the, the lead in Joachim Trier's film. I play the role of Julie, 30 year old. Yeah, you follow her through a few years, but yes. Yeah, and we get to her 30th birthday and she has a cake in it. Exactly. She's a wonderful character, beautifully played. I was born on the croisette. How does that feel? I don't know. I don't know. You know what? The, the day after the premiere, I woke up and I, I felt like, oh no. The reviews are coming out today. I probably ruined the whole film. I had so much self-loathing like like Julie, the character, does. And I actually just puked. This is your first can, I'm assuming, because it's kind of your first movie in a way. Yeah, yeah, it is. So it's very overwhelming. It's like, it's very huge. It's huge, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We see a lot of Julie. We see a lot of you. I'm assuming you, as an actress, there's always a bit of you in every word, in every gesture. But we see her being happy. We see her being sad. We see her being fun. We see her being a bit of a nightmare. We see her being, you know, we love her at parts and we kind of detest her in other parts. So you you have all of this (laughs) prism of emotions uh, to display. Yeah, that's good to hear. I wanted to, like, I wanted to be really honest. I wanted to be, like, horrible and terrible and uh, 
trying to like be a bit like beautiful and proud and uh, getting embarrassed and try to get in touch with all the things that I'm a bit ashamed of. And I, yeah, I'm so glad to hear it comes through. Um, that's a big compliment. Oh, good. Well, because you could, it's very easy to just try and make her likable and go, love me, love me, love me. Look yeah. how cute I am. Aren't I Annie Hall? It's all so cute. Yeah. And there is a bit of Woody Allen, I felt, in this. There's even a direct quote from Woody Allen in this. Yeah, Joachim talked a lot about Annie Hall, actually, for me. So I, I watched that too to see kind of what, uh, yeah, the charm of a character. And, and Julie really needed to be charming. You know, it's my favorite film of all time. Is it? Mm. Is it? Yeah, it's so charming. Yeah, I love her style. I love her way of being. Yeah, and that know. might be why I connected very yeah. much with, 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 <laughs> yeah. with it. Are you from Oslo? Os- Oslonian, is that the word? You, I, now it is. <laughs> now. What do you call it? From Oslo, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm from. Um, I'm uh, from a really, really small place. It's not even a place. It's just like a road. We had one bank and one that that's closed, and then one uh, shop and a school. But uh, what's, it, what's it called? It's Sorberva. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I was not exposed to any like culture, art when I grew up, so I had to like find it myself. So was that your you know, your young Oslo, in a way, that, that was represented. Did you, you kind of feel that person, that Julie? You kind of had met her a few times. Yeah. And it, you know, it's it's like you probably have that where you grew up too. Like, uh, you know where to go to see the beautiful sunset. And you know the the special lighting when you, you're going home from a party and when the sun is coming up again. Like, those... Those are very emotional moments. So uh, I guess in Oslo in the summer, if you go to a party and the sun goes down, comes up, it's a very quick moment. Like two hours where it's dark, maybe one. Yeah, it's very quick. <laughs> uh, I did like that. That light was captured as well. I was like, it's always light here. Of yeah. course, it's brilliant. What was the first film you ever saw then? If you didn't have culture in in your little village, actually, it was. It's a. It's a little bit embarrassing, but it was Lord of the Rings. <laughs> When I was 13, that was like, the f- okay, we go to the movies in Drammen, the city, like, it took us, I don't know, half an hour, an hour to come there. And that's the first, like, film I saw, which was like, uh, okay, somebody, someone worked really hard on uh, making a universe here. Yeah, we were we were little gang who saw that 13 times on in the movies. Uh, like little hobbits. Little hobbits and everything. And then... Uh, yeah, I just, I started looking for like, okay, there are more cool things in the world. But I would like, I would have to like, I, I, everyone was listening to like Backstreet Boys and I didn't really enjoy that too much. I had to listen like Pink Floyd secretly in, in my room with no friends will accept that. <laughs> <laughs> like some 70s student. There's some great music in, in your film, actually. The soundtrack is yes. really good. Yeah. I had to get Shazamming. I was like, oh, that's Art Garfunkel doing Waters of March. Yeah, but Joachim is, he's a genius. He's, you know, he's a DJ. Yeah. Yeah, he's a... Did I miss him at the party DJing? Apparently he was going to DJ. I don't no, know if he did. Tonight. Oh, there's a dude doing one tonight? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got another party? Yeah. How many parties do you need? No, I, I'm, I need to get well from this cold. <laughs> But uh, it's so much fun being in a... I love partying. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go tonight. Yeah. Oh, he's DJing tonight. Well, maybe I'll come yeah, as well. Do yeah, do it. Do it. Because there's that Billy Holiday. There's that, some electronic, like Chassol, the French one. Oh, yeah. 
there's uh, the Harry Nilsson, there's some funny stuff, yeah. there's Simonde, and you're dancing to, and in fact, you're, one of your family or, or your, your boyfriend's family changes the music, which yeah. is really rude. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I love that track that you're dancing to. Is it Mar- uh, Marie? Uh, just yeah, yeah, one yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he changes it to, oh, what, what was it again? He changes it to Simon Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was their, like, uh, the, the actor playing that role, he is that, uh, he yeah. is that guy. <laughs> it's an old person, 70s jazz funk. Yeah. I like it very much, but I also like what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> if you could go to one movie set yeah. ever, like, you know, back in time, what would what would you what would you who who would you visit with making a movie? What? I would visit David Lynch. That was my like after the encounter with Lord of the Rings. Like Lynch was my that was like my real. I fell in love with the movies. That is my favorite. First which which favorite one director? I saw Mulholland Drive, and I saw I think I saw I saw a lot of his like student. I don't remember what they called, but what he did when he was a student as well. Mm. And just saw all of it, and uh, of course the series. Uh, what is it called again? Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. <laughs> Our brains are gone after these days. <laughs> yeah, and I really just like love his uh, whole um, uh, philosophy of going into the subconscious when making a movie, and and the the f- like. He 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 takes stuff from his dreams and he uses them. I love that. I love the way he. It's so unique and special. You don't see that. Where's your favorite cinema? Well, right now, it's actually open a cinema right in front of my house. That was my dream come true when I moved there. And now it's there. It's like I can almost see it through the, around the corner. And it's, a really, it's like passionate, idealistic people made that cinema. It's, uh, it's really nice. There's a lot of good happenings. And, yeah. In Oslo? In Oslo, yeah. Right so- outside. You're gonna be one day wake up, come out of your front door, yeah. and your movie <laughs> yeah. will be playing in your street opposite you. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's so nice. <laughs> in my living room, yeah. <laughs> and now one of your favorite cinemas must be the the Lumiere here in Cannes because that's where yes, you that's where course. you were born. Of course, now it is. <laughs> yeah, I really want to do a bit more movies now. I've fallen in love completely. I told you it was a busy show, didn't I? I wonder what else my colleagues have been watching. Kaleem Aftab, I'm here writing for VI and Cine Europa. Uh, what's it mean to you to be back at Cannes after a little hiatus? Oh, it's wonderful. I was like, should I stay or should I go? You know how it is, the old Clash song. And I was like, I better go. And being here is fabulous. We have the sun, we have great movies, have cinemas to watch them in. And then afterwards, I can bump into people I love and some I hate and talk about the movies. You seen any good films lately? Oh, man, I've seen a lot of good films lately. I also liked Bloody Oranges, this crazy midnight movie. That's a French film that's kind of has a lot of incidences that happen one after the other of a violent sexual kind. But the first time you think it's funny, the second time you still think it's funny, and the third time you realize that maybe you're culpable as well. There's a lot of tenant on the audiences. Innocence does that as well. Amazing horror film for kids. That's by Eskil Vogt. He works with Joachim Trier. He actually wrote the film The Worst Person in the World that's in competition. Oh, I really funnily, like that. Well, funnily, The Innocence is my favourite film and the Joachim Trier that you like, I really hate it. My name is Stephanie Bunbury. I'm a reporter for the Melbourne Age newspaper and the Sydney Morning Herald newspaper. 
And what does it mean to you to be back at Cannes, Stephanie? It's utterly thrilling and light on in terms of quality films, although there seem to be more films, but fewer that we are actually excited about. Just to be back at the world's greatest film festival is a huge relief to me because it means that life goes on. And have you seen any good films lately? The Velvet Underground documentary by Todd Haynes is truly, I think, a revolutionary approach to documentary. John Bleasdale, I'm writing for Sight and Sound and Cineview.com. Well, I really enjoyed writing about Three Floors by Nana Moretti because it was awful. And it's always easy to write about something you don't particularly like. But I really enjoyed enthusing about Hit the Road as well, which is an Iranian film that is just so joyous. I could talk about it all day. I know you're, you're Italian, so you, we, uh, I saw you at the Venice Film Festival. What does it mean for you to be back at Cannes? It's really important for me. Uh, I love Venice, and I love the Italian film festivals. I love Swiss film festivals. I love Chinese film festivals. But Cannes is the lead. It really sets the tone for the whole year. Back to the star guests. And I was really happy to meet Adil Akhtar down here on the Quasette. He shone in Ali and Ava, which is about an interracial romance set in Bradford between Muslim Ali and white blonde teaching assistant grandma Ava, played by Claire Rushbrook. It's a slice of British social realism for sure, but told with great love and warmth. So let's find out more about Adil, whose smiling face you'll recognise from films like Four Lions and Victoria and Abdul, and from the comedy Back to Life with Daisy Haggard on TV. I met up for a sunshine chat with Adil Akhtar in Cannes and because he was starring in an interracial romance and playing a British Asian character, there just aren't that many of those, certainly not on the big screen here in Cannes and certainly really not that many in the UK. And I asked him how important it was to see a character of his heritage, his colour, on the screen at Cannes. I think what it does is... It introduces me to the idea, as well as introducing other people to the idea, that um, this medium of cinema is richer for its multiplicity. It's richer for its its variety. But I'm also experiencing that as it's happening, you know, through the kindness and sort of benevolence of an amazing filmmaker like Clive, who essentially is directing, is saying, you're permitted to do this. You're permitted to um, embody this character and make him funny and complex and hopeful, ultimately. And and so I think collectively as like cinema-going people, we're entering this new time where we're sort of on the cusp of something really exciting happening. We've got, even at this festival, this, you know, Joanna Hogg, Andrea Arnold, Clio which feels like a bit of a sea change in the idea of what cinema is and can represent when you come from Britain. And I think we're in the sort of wake of it at the moment, and it feels really hopeful and exciting. When you say that, Adil, it's interesting, because I've been here many times, and most sometimes it's like, well, it's Ken Loach, Mike Lee and Michael Winterbottom. You know, those are the, the Brits yes. that get accepted, but suddenly you, you, you enumerate them, it's like, actually, you're right, it's, it's a bit of a change. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you think that with them will come different stories of Britain? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just know that we're in the change now. I think we're sort of experiencing something where there's a sort of people have the desire to want to be challenged with their understanding of who people are and what they represent. And I think people just want to see more of it. And and, and I think we're, we're in the process of that happening here. You know, it's And it's really difficult to articulate because 
it's it is it feels like it's happening. You know what I mean? It feels like just like, this is my first can, and I'm chatting to people about it, and there's a sort of optimism about the idea of well, this is the direction that cinema can go in, and it's not sort of very loud and not very muscular, and but it it's kind of we're sort of gently tapping on, yeah. gently knocking on the door a little bit, you know. And are you feeling, how are you feeling for Asian actors? I don't like using the word Asian because yeah, it's, it's not, are you Asian? Is that fair? I, I don't think know. That's okay. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, Riz, it was, you know, you were in Four Lions with, has been pretty vocal of late um, about, you know, about representation and you know, not being cast as a terrorist, exactly. But you know, I mean, you, you seem to be amassing a lovely selection yeah. of, of real roles and yeah. beautiful roles yeah. that make, may have to be Asian or may not need to be Asian. Yeah, Riz sort of, whenever I hear him articulate it, it's, it's really nice because we're sort of having a conversation with each other without chatting to each other. And he, he's com- he sort of has this thing where he talks about, there was a moment where he was really burdened with the idea of representing something, like his culture or where he's from and everything. And then uh, this n- sort of next kind of, whatever emanation of him is he was just thinking about how to present himself in the best way that he can and I think there's something about the um, the tension between those two things where really tr- true and original filmmaking and voices are found There's a way of scooping it all up. It's not about um, one thing or another. You can have, with the opportunity, with something that Clio gave me, you can have the opportunity of expressing something very human within a sort of cultural context and the culturalness of it transcends what it is and the humanity of what it is transcends the culture and then something really amazing happens when the when you get out of the cinema and you walk away from the, the film it's still with you on some level and it sort of becomes the world that you then look out on you know tell, tell me about you oh, yeah, I loved you with Daisy uh, Daisy yeah, recently oh, yeah, it was yeah, lovely yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is, is comedy your thing did you start out with comedy yeah. or did you always think oh I'm going to be a comic actor or yeah. I mean it seems that you bring comedy to the great humanity of uh, Ali yeah, in this yeah, yeah. I don't know I, I found like I, I don't know if you, you find this yourself but whenever you sort of try and be really prescriptive or like oh I'm just I'm a drama person just I want everybody to take me really seriously more often than not people sort of find that quite funny if you take yourself too seriously and then when you find yourself a comedy person you you sort of define yourself as being very comedic then suddenly you know you're on the phone with somebody like Daisy Haggard who's going oh yeah it's a comedy but it's about somebody who's just left prison and there's some really serious bits in it you know and it's it's never been anything that 
I've tried to sort of orchestrate in any way. It's just sort of things that sort of avail themselves, and I do. I try and do them as, as best I can. And I think the drama teaches something about the comedy, and the comedy teaches something about the drama. I mean. But when we, when you were like drama school, were you like, oh, I'll do, you know, I'll do a funny Shakespeare, yeah, or you know, drama? I took myself very seriously. I went to a method school, yeah. So that was all about like living every single minute of every single moment, and I think I just was got exhausted. Uh, you know, when you're young, I think you can do that because it's so you want that, you want to feel all the feelings you can feel and then there was one exercise called the coffee cup exercise where you had to drink an imaginary cup of coffee and we did that for like five weeks like feeling the heat and smelling the coffee and everything else and it just seemed a lot Were you always going to be an actor? No, I studied law Did you? Yeah, oh, yeah. I better be careful yeah. then <laughs> Right I've already made some notes because no, um, my, my dad was, was a lawyer himself so he was like quite a relatively kind of strict upbringing in the sense that you have to do this. Where's he from? From Pakistan. Yeah, yeah. and mum's from, mum's from Kenya. But uh, understandably... He's, he, he's what, uh, yeah, Gujarat, yeah, yeah, came yeah. out, came, went left with... When Amin kicked everyone out. Oh, so that's Uganda, so she I'm sorry, Uganda, yeah, Kenya, yeah, 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 yeah you're allowed to But stay. similar thing, yeah, yeah, a similar thing, Gujarat. yeah, yeah, yeah. But understandably so, like, they were just kind of... They had such a struggle that they kind of wanted to minimise mine enough to sort of go, well, this is the best way to live the rest of your life, you know, yeah, yeah. like just have a, a sensible job. And what did they say when you said, oh, I'm, I'm going to be an actor? Yeah. I think they're still getting their head round what that means. <laughs> That's yeah, what I'm yeah, asking, yeah, like, now yeah. you can say, well, look, yeah. I'm a cat. Yeah. What's wonderful about them is that they sort of only have a concept of, like, what the idea of acting is in their understanding of what acting is. So... They were really excited about a film that I did called The Big Sick because the dad in that was a guy called Anupam Kher who is also, yeah, he's sort of really famous Indian actor. And yeah, and so they were sort of super excited about that. So even when I go back now, my dad's like, what have you thought about acting in Bollywood films sort of thing? And I was like, I don't think they'd have me. But it, but the effort is there, and it's really nice of trying to like. Did they? Did you grow up watching Bollywood films? A little bit, not loads, not loads. Yeah, there was like some staples that sort of we we used to listen to. What was the yeah. first film you ever saw at the cinema? Yeah, the first film. I'm not sure if this was the first, but I think it might have been Dead Poet Society, and I think we all went as a family. And that was like a strange story, obviously because like there's quite a strict dad in that, and the kid wants to be an actor and everything else. And um, yeah, wow, didn't even think about it. So anyway, yeah, so Dead Poets Society. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what yeah, I do yeah, on this no, show. We get wow. you, get you, get right deep Therapy in there. The sunshine, I love it. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Is there a film that changed your life? Is there a film that you went, I actually, I've seen that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an actor. Maybe I'm, I don't want to suggest what, yeah. what happened. I'm, I'm not sure if it was like a single film. I think there's just actors in different roles sort of gave me the understanding that there's a breadth to like characterization that is that you can do anything you you can sort of it it was watching those actors that instilled me with the feeling that they because they were so good it gave me the feeling that oh you can really with a lot of work and a lot of effort you can can characterise lots of different things, and that was really exciting thought. Who, who for example? Philip Seymour Hoffman was one guy that I was 
always looking at and trying to work out. It was like a sleight of hand. I'd watch it just going, what's he doing there? Like, how is he doing that? Um, and I suppose like at Daniel Day-Lewis, but then I, I sort of feel like his sleight of hand is more obvious in a way. It's yeah. like the idea is, is that he is that thing. But with the Felix Seymour Hoffman thing, it was more... I found that more intriguing because... I really didn't know where he was in that. I really didn't know where the character was or where he was in that, you know? Uh, Where's your favourite cinema, Adil? Favourite cinema? Or, or like, uh, actual cinema? There's this beautiful lake in New Zealand called Lake Wanaka, and um, there's a cinema attached to it called Cinema Paradiso, which is near the lake, and it has this yellow taxi cab in it, a cut-out yellow taxi cab where the kids sit down and watch and cobble together seats, like bits of sofa and stuff like that it was like this kind of beautiful ramshackly sort of cinema and I th- I just I enjoy uh, the, the film I saw was like a terrible dragon cartoon <laughs> but it was um, it was a good experience in that cinema yeah you seen any good films lately? the last thing that I've seen that's been really really good that sort of stuck with me was my brilliant friend but that's not a film I know but it's like a the Ferrante oh, sort yeah, of yeah, Elena Ferrante, yeah, the, the, yeah. the, the sort of series that's yeah, the series, yeah, yeah. Which weirdly is like, even though it's not a film, there's sort of there's this sort of trend now, which is people are trying to sort of make things as filmic as as possible, and that's sort of edging. Like some of the some of the shots they've got there, sort of edging towards like like Italian. What's that? What's that? Neo realism. That's the one. So there's like moments where the shots are like an obvious background of somebody driving in a car, and it's like harking back to a bit of an ode to that sort of yeah. that sort of filmmaking. Um, but that's the one thing that, but that was good because it was so long you could really dive into it. It went on for ages, so I enjoyed that. Yeah. If I could take you back in time to a film set that's being made, a film that's being made, which one would you visit? I keep on hearing. Whenever sort of you're around older actors, and it always goes. There's there's a story they tell about um, that, sh- and I had a little bit of a taste of it when I did um, Victorian Abdul shooting in India, but it was um, the funeral procession for Gandhi, uh, Ben Kingsley's Gandhi, and apparently they had they had their normal extras there, and then then it got crazy like the amount of people that were there and for the people that were watching it they couldn't compute why they you know they didn't get it but but i just i mean i'd love to have like seen that and weirdly maybe the through line is like an ali and ava thing where they're sort of like the artifice and the reality sort of melds into itself a little bit and you just go this is more realer than real, you yeah. know. Well, Ben Kingsley's Gandhi is probably a bit more. Re- I don't. From, I know from my age, maybe for your age too. He, he's more real than the actual Gandhi. You know, he, yeah. he is. Yeah, he is Gandhi. He is Gandhi. Yeah, yeah. But that crowd as well. And because we did um, Victorian Abdul, there was a statue put up in a square in India, and people people were actually like people were worried about their safety because the the local Indian people there just thought it was a bit sacrilegious, you know, not sacrilegious, but, like, took offence to this statue being put up near where they live. And it, and it was that, it's just that thing of, like, like, the response to it is so real that you can't... You know, it's just a happy accident of filmmaking, you know. It's, it reminds me of that one where it's, like, in The Graduate, 
You know that last scene in The Graduate? So apparently the reason why they look so upset was because Mike Nichols bollocked them just before they got on to the thing. And he, he was just said to them, look, we've only got two minutes to do this fucking shot. You better do it, otherwise you... Whatever he said. So they're... So it's supposed to end when they smiled. But in the editing room, he saw it and he heard himself shouting at them. And he just called it, like, the happy accident of filming, where you get to that spot which is more realer than, than anything you could have imagined. Well, I think you reach quite a lot of those moments, oh, Adil, in Ali and Ava. Congratulations oh, on that. Thank Thanks for coming you. on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, I hope and I reckon I've got the flavour of this strange edition of the Cannes Film Festival for you. But there are still so many more films to tell you about. But we can now reveal the decisions of Spike Lee and his jurors as they tell us if they've seen any good films lately. We've just come out of the closing ceremony of the awards of the 75th Cannes Film Festival. I've bumped into Christian Munyard, my, my friend from Denmark. How, what did you make of that ceremony, Christian? <laughs> that was the most fun I've had at a prize ceremony in Cannes. I've been here 22 years. This is the most fun I ever had because it started with Spike Lee announcing the winner as the first thing he ever said on stage. Melanie Laurent, who's in the jury too, she couldn't keep her face straight. She was laughing all the way through. Taha Rahim sat down next to Spike Lee to kind of keep him on, on track. And every time they gave him the microphone, he almost said something wrong. So they took the way, away the microphone again. So he couldn't <laughs> say anything. It, everything just went wrong. And they two of the big prizes, the jury prize and the Grand Prix, were both uh, shared prizes. And they forgot to announce that at the beginning. So people began clapping for the one winner, but not for the next. It was unbelievable actually and they had these prizes to give out but they hadn't obviously told the organizers that they were sharing the prizes so that the other the guy who <laughs> was in the second chair right didn't have a trophy they was that they're empty-handed exactly that looked really stupid just standing there who are fighting and, and at one point you thought that oliver stone who was presenting the grand prix that it, it was him who had won because he took the prize himself and walked <laughs> around with it it was so insane but as uh, julie did Ducourneau said, the, the winner of the palm, Golden Palm um, with uh, Titan, she said that this is a perfect evening because it's not perfect. And that is actually right. And, and you can only say that Cannes is back with a bang. What do you think of this award to this film? I mean, I, I thought it was a, a, a totally out there film. It's probably the most radical out there film, genre film to win the Palm d'Or. It is... I, I must say I'm not a huge fan of the film. Mm. I prefer the original if if I can say, put it that way. And you mean I, Crash? Exactly, Cronenberg's uh, Crash. No, but it, and that's not fair to, to Julie Ducourneau. Uh, she's a good director and the film has some unforgettable images, no doubt about it. I thought the beginning of the film, actually the first half of the film was really good, but then it, for me it descended into madness, which I guess, of course, was the point of the whole thing. But it was it was too much for me, you know. It, I mean, to, if I'm honest, it's, it's way out there for me. I like yeah. a sort of walking around, people falling in love kind of film, like The Worst Person in the World, which the Renata Rainsvi won Best Actress for, which I was delighted. But this is good. This is a female filmmaker, yeah. the first one since Jane Campion. Very different film to the piano, of course, but winning winning the Palme d'Or. Yeah, and also it, it so shows some artistic courage from the jury, and it also shows you that every year we try to second-guess the jury. But these are seven, what, seven, nine, between seven and nine artistic temperaments, so different from 
you know each other and us in point in their point of view and the sensibilities and of course we cannot second guess we cannot guess who they're gonna award the the, the, the big prizes to so I, I thought in that sense it was it was courageous and it was finally a female director won uh, uh, the Palm d'Or for the first time in what 30 years yeah. almost, and and you can see this director Julie Ducournau because she is a good director. She's she makes strong images and she's going places, and I think that that's the really good thing about this. Although this film is so out there, it it's gone somewhere already. I don't know where you can go with it. She's got to keep kind of making genre films, but you know Cronenberg is her avowed you know favorite, so you know it didn't harm him much. No, that's true, and 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 he. He started going the other way at one point, uh, you know, body horror in the 80s and the 70s, 80s and 90s, and then he turned somewhere else, and she can do that too. But you're right, it, it is interesting, and that's also the same thing with uh, Wes Anderson. He's been going in the same direction f- for all of his films, and I thought with the Grand Budapest Hotel he couldn't go any further, and then he made the French Stitch Patch, which is in competition this year, or was in competition, did win, didn't win anything, that went even further, and you didn't... Yeah, up, his own, up, his own, up his own little tweet. Ask if you ask me, but <laughs> <laughs> but any other? Pri- did you? What did you think of the other prizes? Memoria winning a jury prize. I, I, you know, I was, I was when I saw them walking up the red carpet. I thought, oh, maybe they're going to win the the, yeah, the yeah. big prize for Happy Chapong again after Uncle Bunmi. But it was just a, it was sort of a, a, a yeah. second prize. Well, you know, I've, I have to be honest with you. I, I found Memoria really boring. Uh, it's a beautiful film, but it's so boring. Uh, I, I share a hotel with the producer, and I was lying to him the other day when I said I thought. It, I, I actually, I did lie. I said it was a beautiful film, and then I didn't say anything else. I hope he doesn't listen to this. But it's uh, I do know Simon Field as yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a very nice guy, so so you uh, hopefully won't uh, think ill of me. Uh, one one prize I really loved was the one for Asghar Fahadi's uh, A Hero, which is a really strong film, yeah, very solid Cannes yeah. film. And I'm but I'm really sorry that uh, uh, Sean Baker didn't win anything for Red Rocket, which was my absolute favourite here. Yes, Christian, good good shout. I like that. I also liked Casablanca Beats. I thought yeah. that was very fresh and I, I thought Spike might go for it because it had a sort of, you know, it was about hip-hop. But again, we, we can't second-guess them. You have Matty Diop there and in the end, history was made tonight. Mm. A female filmmaker winning the Palm d'Or for the second time. And Spike Lee announcing the winner before time. It, it was uh, it, it, something, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's the most fun I've had. And you could see him being very apologetic and very kind of embarrassed about what he has done and, and he was so afraid of saying anything afterwards yeah. it was but it was I it kind was, of blame the yeah. host she kind of asked him would you tell us your first prize and she kind of didn't really bring it back what is this is this on a par with or is this worse with than the Warren Beatty Faye Dunaway Moonlight Land, La La Land slip I think it's it's on a par with it I, I think the other one was actually worse because you were told you won an Oscar but you really didn't win an Oscar yes. and this one is everybody knew who was going to win the Palme d'Or. It wasn't that they announced the wrong winner. They just announced it. So the, the kind of the excitement of the whole show was kind of, you know, gone, even though you didn't know who was going to win all the other prizes. For instance, at Peter Pong, uh, he was sitting there perhaps thinking, I'm going to win the Palme d'Or for the second time. And then Spike Lee, you know, yeah. fuck, fucked it up. <laughs> and then <laughs> that wasn't possible. He, he did fuck it up. What uh, do you think as the end, this is a big prize and a big story in the end for, for people like us come and get a can good can bad can medium can just it's can back I, I I'm I'm really happy to be here I missed it uh, last year I think it's not one of the best cans it's not one of the worst I, but I think actually it's 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 a good can and and especially the second half of of the the, the festival yes. 
the, the good films started coming. We the really good films started coming. Red Rocket, we yeah. had uh, this one, uh, Titan, we had you know fresh news yeah. perspectives that would come up aesthetically and mm. thematically. I, exactly. So I, I think it's it's above average uh, uh, festival, I would say. Um, no masterpieces, yeah. but but still some very good films that I'm looking forward to seeing again, perhaps in a more forgiving setting, which is one of the really interesting things about going to Cannes is that you can, you can never really or entirely trust your own opinion yeah. when you see a film. Because you see five films a day, you can be tired, you can be moody, you can be whatever. And there's an expectation about it. You're like, yeah. is this a winner? So you see it, and if it's not a winner, you sort of dismiss it, which I, mm. I did with uh, Titan. I, didn't think that, I thought it was too mad to win the Palme d'Or. But obviously, maybe cinema's changing. Something We've got a fresh voice here, we've got yeah. a new aesthetic here, we've got something that could win a prize. And that is actually one of the most important lessons, I think, from this year's festival is that now Cannes is back, the world film is back, movies are back, cinema is back, and, and it's back with a bang, I would say. And uh, a night Spike Lee will probably, what was he, what is he, 63? He would probably never forget this night. And and Melanie Norang was just amazing because she was laughing, besides, she was sitting beside him and she was laughing all the time. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's been one of the most... Uh, fun nights in Cannes for, for many years. Well, nice to share it with you, Christian. Uh, thanks for coming on the show again. My pleasure. That's it from Cannes and from seeing any good films lately. It's been great to be back down here and it's been great to have you with us. I've got to say a big merci to my editor, Kate Dawkins, who is putting all this together as I was sending it back from Cannes to her in Britain. And uh, if you love the show, then please find all the other episodes of it, seen any good films lately, on your normal podcast platforms and tell us what you think about it. And of course, subscribe and leave a comment so that other people can find it and find out all these brilliant film recommendations. We're bursting with them on this show. I'm going to take a little break for the summer after all of this, so it's au revoir and à bientôt. Let's play out then with a bit of Franco-pop that popped up in the Finnish entrant, compartment number six, set on a long train journey to the north of Russia with lots of vodka and some mighty pickles and this top French summer tune. Voyage, voyage. Bon voyage, tout le monde. Au-dessus du vieux vol. 